We're in part 13 in a series we've called, what's the series called? It's called? One more time. What's the series called? It's called? Life Coach. Because the Apostle Paul is our life coach. And the book that he provides his life coaching advice, it's called what? It's called 2 Timothy. It's the last book the Apostle Paul wrote. And if you want to turn there, go right ahead. That would be great. And in this book, Paul is discipling. He's mentoring this young pastor named Timothy. And the advice he gives there is priceless. And there's 15 total life coaching lessons. And this morning, we summarize the lesson by saying, preach the Word. Now, the passage this morning is primarily intended for preachers, but not only those who make a living by preaching. All of us, as we're going to learn, are called to preach, to proclaim the Word of God. The Greek word for preach is the Greek word caruso. Can we say that together? Caruso. And it literally means to proclaim, to herald, to declare. In New Testament times, uh, caruso or preaching, uh, often it, it came from, uh, it was describing an imperial messenger who was sent through the kingdom announcing, proclaiming like celebration or party at the palace, you know, king's going to pay for it all, you know, and it was that announcement from which we get the word preaching. And I can remember at certain times in my life when I was thrilled to make an announcement, just like you, to proclaim something. One of those was January 11th, 1989. That was the moment that our son Josh right here was born. And I remember just coming out into the hallway and seeing my family and everyone, and I'm like, it's a boy, you know, just like going crazy and just like, oh, it was amazing. And then I remember when these three boys, Josh, James, and Luke, grew up, and they finally came to the age where we could gather them together, and they're all looking at me, and I go, I have an announcement, guys. Guess what we're going to do this weekend? They're all, what, what? We're going to Disneyland, you know? And just, they're all going nuts and everything. Do you remember that first trip to Disneyland? And announcing to your kids, it could be a number of things. But when you made that announcement, you know what you're doing? You were preaching. You were declaring. You were carousoing, so to speak. Preaching is the privilege of announcing, watch this, God's Word, whether it's to one person or a thousand people. Every Christian is called to preach. Every Christian is called to proclaim the Word of God. And we see this throughout Scripture. Look at your outlines. Psalm 9, verse 11. Proclaim among the nations what He has done. Psalm 96, verse 2. Proclaim His salvation day after day. Matthew 10, verse 7. As you go... Proclaim the message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. So as you go through life, at work, in your neighborhood, at home, you and I are called to proclaim the word of God. Acts 5.42, day after day from house to house, they never stop proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. Matthew 24.14, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached into the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Matthew 16, 15, go into all the world and preach the good news to all creation. Guess what? If you are in the world, and you are, tell your neighbor right now, just point at him, look at him and say, you're in the world. So start preaching. Yes. What I'm trying to do is normalize preaching. 
It, it's something every Christian, now some of us are called, like me, I'm called of God. Uh, I'm employed to preach the Bible full time. But you as a Christian are called to preach the Word of God throughout your life. I do it for a living, but you're to do it while you're alive. And that's what the Bible exhorts us to, and this is what Paul talks to us about this morning. Now, Paul's going to share with us this morning five ways to grow as a good preacher. Now, whether, again, you ever get behind a pulpit, you are still called to preach one-on-one or with a group of five or ten, teach Sunday school, it doesn't matter. This message is going to relate to you, and Paul, as our mentor, gives to Timothy and to us five ways to grow in preaching. So look at this. We're in 2 Timothy chapter 4. Let's read verses 1 through 5. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. There's the command, the imperative. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to miss. But you, keep your head in all situations, endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, and discharge all the duties of your ministry. Now, Paul gives us five things to remember. To grow as a good communicator, a good proclaimer, a good preacher of God's Word. Let's look at these. Number one, remember who is present when preaching. This is so important. When we proclaim the Word, it's important for us to remember who is present. Now, you would think this would really be obvious. I mean, right now, I'm proclaiming the Word of God. I am present. You are present. But watch this. A thousand times more important than me as a preacher aware that I'm present and you're present, a thousand times way more important is the awareness that God and His Son Jesus is present when the Word is preached. There's something mysterious. There's something powerful that those who are good at preaching realize. To me, I'm excited you're here. I'm excited I'm here. Glad we're alive. But way more exciting is the fact that God is here and He shows up in power and in glory when His Word is proclaimed. And this is what Paul starts off, in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, preach the Word. Now Paul talks about this, this mystery of God showing up when preaching happens all throughout the Bible in many places. 1 Corinthians 1, 23 and 24, I've given you that scripture. Paul says, we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to Gentiles, but to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. You see, Christ's power shows up. His wisdom shows up. His presence is here. It's very important for you as you declare the Word of God to remember your limitation as a preacher. I can't change anyone. But you see, when God shows up and His Word is declared, God can change anyone and everyone, and He does. And we have to be cognizant and aware of that when we preach. I've seen pre preaching transform one individual. I don't have time to go into the story, but one time I read John 3.16 in the Bible to a man, and he was cut to the quick, tears come down his face, and he gave his life to Jesus by just hearing for the first time one verse in Scripture. I've also been 
to places all over the world, preached to hundreds and thousands. The greatest turning I've ever seen to God was in 1996 when I went to Russia when the Iron Curtain fell down and was just preaching the Word. Uh, we were going from school, public school to public school to public school, filling auditoriums. Principals, staff were turning to Jesus Christ for 70 years. They were told there is no God. And I'm telling you, the Word of God as it was spoken, 90% of those that heard us preach were turning to Jesus, coming to Christ. It was powerful. When you preach, it's all about the audience of one, which is God who shows up in power. And you have to be aware of that and believe that. And this is what Paul is saying to Timothy. Also, there are some realities that are associated with God's presence that you have to be aware of as a preacher. And Paul talks about these. Look at verse 1. In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, watch this, who will judge the living and the dead. You see, you as my audience, I am aware this morning that you will face judgment. If you're a Christian, the judgment you will face is called the day of believers' rewards. This is where Jesus has taken your judgment on the cross. You put your faith in Him and you will be rewarded for your faith. That's talked about in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 10. If you are a non-Christian here this morning, at this point, because you do not have a saved relationship with God, you will face judgment. And that judgment is called the great white throne judgment. It's found in Revelation 20. It is absolutely terrifying. And as a preacher, I am aware of your future, whether you're a Christian or whether you're not. And there's power in that when you are aware that this is something you will face. And Paul goes on to talk about not only will your audience, preacher, face judgment, but also in view of His appearing. That's Christ's appearing. That's His second coming. You will experience the second coming of Jesus Christ. Every single person here. Second coming of Christ is a movement from heaven to earth where Jesus comes to judge all mankind that are still alive after the great tribulation and set up His kingdom. You will be with Him uh, in that moment. Read about it in Revelation chapter 19. This is something that preachers are aware of. The big picture of what God is doing and what people will face. And then Paul says, and in view of His appearing and His kingdom. When it says His kingdom, that's the millennial kingdom of God. That's a thousand year reign of Jesus Christ on this earth that will take place after the great tribulation, after the second coming, where Christ will reign on this earth along with you and me for a thousand years and then comes the eternal state. A preacher is aware of these things. They're aware of what's going to happen to their audience. And Paul is saying, I give you this charge in light of this. Be aware of this. A good preacher remembers who is present and the realities associated with the presence of God and the audience that will be experiencing those realities. All right. That's the first thing. Remember who is present when you share the Word of God with someone. God and His Son Jesus is present. Second thing to remember to grow as a good preacher. Remember the goal in preaching. Now, the goal in preaching is, watch this, to announce, to proclaim, to declare, watch this, the Word of God. The whole goal in preaching, watch this, is not to preach my word, my message, my thoughts, but to preach the Word of God. The message I'm called to preach is God's Word in its wholeness, in its completeness, without alteration, without addition, without subtraction. I'm called to preach not me, but Christ crucified, the Word. And the safest way, watch this, to preach the Word of God 
is simply to use the word of God. It's so simple, and yet I'm telling you, as a church, I'm not speaking about our church, but I'm speaking about the church for the most part throughout the United States is not preaching the word of God. We're not preaching the word, but it's verse by verse. I've visited so many churches on my vacation. Several do, I don't, there hasn't been one church I've gone into, listened to the sermon, and it's an expositional sermon. A verse by verse explanation of the word of God, using the word of God in its context, explaining the grammar, explaining the context, explaining the meaning of the text in a practical way. I have yet to experience it. And that's why so many people come to Three Crosses. Because for the most part, we just teach the Bible. And Paul is saying, Timothy, just use the Bible. And, and beloved, there's, we need a revival in the church throughout the United States. Pastors, just come back to using the Bible. Open up the Bible and just go verse by verse and explain the words to God's people and see God show up in power and in glory and change lives. Amen? Amen. It's not difficult. It's just like, why are we getting away? We'll talk about that in a little bit, why we're getting away from this. But it's called expository preaching, expositional preaching. You just point out the history, the grammar, and you just go through it verse by verse. Let me give you a definition of preaching. Preaching is proclaiming the word of God through your personality. That's preaching. And everyone's going to preach differently. You have an amazing personality. God has sovereignly given you that personality, and he wants you to declare his word using your personality, whether you're an introvert, extrovert, doesn't matter. God wants you to use the personality he's given you to proclaim his word. The goal is to proclaim his word leveraging your personality. Now, that takes a while to get at, and I'll be honest with you. When I was a young guy just ordained in ministry, um, it was hard for me to find out who I was and be comfortable with me. And I remember um, in 1985, um, I was struggling because I was like, no, you know, I, I was like, how do you preach? And I was like, am I to be like a John MacArthur or a Chuck Swindoll? And I was listening to all these guys or a Jake Belig who was mentoring me back then. And I remember I went to Israel in 1985 and I was having my quiet time literally on the Mount of Olives. And the Lord just said, Mark, I want you to be you. I want you to just get behind that pulpit and be you. And I was afraid to be me. You want to know why? I was afraid I'd be rejected. I was afraid they're not going to like my jokes and my silliness. I'm a little weird, Lord. You know I'm strange. And, and the Lord just said, no, you be you. And it was the scariest thing for me to be me. And every sermon, honestly, I've preached since that day in 1985, it's been me. I don't preach anyone else's sermons. They're me, fully and completely. And I'm just like, Lord, I trust you to use, you're going to use me? Are you serious, Lord? And I go, fill me with you, Lord, because there's nothing in me that people want to hear. And I just go, Lord, let people see you. But that's what God wants in you, a willingness for you to be you and just use your personality to share the word of God. And God, that's when God began to bless our, our preaching ministry. And it's just humbling. I'm like, wow, God, it's amazing. And I, I'm just a real dude. That's my family. I, I, this is me. Uh, corny jokes here, corny jokes at home. I'm just me. And, uh, and, and, and God wants you to be you. That's the point. And he's saying to Timothy, Timothy, remember the goal in preaching. 
You just bring the word of God as pure as you can to people through your personality. That is the essence of great preaching. I want you to talk about this at your tables because I think for some of you, this is a brand new thought. How do you think God wants you to use your personality to proclaim his word? Talk about that. Go for it. Okay, we're looking at five, five ways to grow as a good preacher, a good proclaimer of God's Word. Whether you're sharing with one person or a hundred people, doesn't matter. And the first thing is you've got to remember who is present when you're declaring God's Word, and that's God and His Son, Jesus. And then you remember the goal, which is simply to give the Word of God from the Bible through your personality to those people. Third thing, remember some helps for preaching. Now, Paul points out four aids to help us grow as a good preacher, and he talks about these in verse 2. So he says, preach the word, and the first thing he says is be prepared in season and out of season. So the first thing is be prepared. Let's talk about that. Now, that Greek word, be prepared, it's just one word, and it's the word episteme, and it literally means to be constantly ready. So the first thing, as an aid to good preaching, be constantly ready to preach. And it's a picture of a soldier being vigilant at his post, ready to spring into action when he is called upon. You're ready to go. Uh, the phrase in season and out of season, that is a figure of speech, meaning be prepared for any opportunity when it's convenient or when it is inconvenient. Be ready to share the word. It's kind of being Johnny on the spot, ready and willing to go. <laughs> I uh, have so many stories on this. Uh, but I've got to share, and I have stories about my own life because there have been crazy moments when I've had to preach. I've, walked, I've literally walked into the pulpit before not even knowing what I was going to preach, being asked to preach in different countries where I travel around the world. And it's amazing. God gives you a message even in those moments. Incredible. There's other times I've walked up to a pulpit, planning on saying one thing, and the Lord says, no, I want you to preach this, and I just obey Him, okay? And uh, preach a different message. But there's a friend of mine when I first got ordained into ministry in 1986. His name was Eric. I'm not going to give you his last name because this is on video, okay? <laughs> and we were talking about just moments of what it's like to be a young preacher. And he was telling me about his, <laughs> his first funeral, okay? He's at his church, hired as a youth pastor. I was a youth pastor back then. And he gets a phone call from the mortuary. And they're saying, would you please have someone from your church. I'm in desperate need of someone to do a funeral service. And so the, the call comes to him, and Eric says, okay, what time is it? 1.30? Uh, he thought he heard. And so he's going, okay, I'll, I'll be there at 1.30. He's never done a funeral before. Hangs up. He starts preparing a message, a sermon. He doesn't even know what to preach. He's like, i got to preach a sermon on their dead people there. And, you know, he's, he's explaining this to me, and he never done this before. He shows up to the, uh, the mortuary, and the funeral director is out front in the parking. He's like, where have you been? He goes, where have I been? It's, I'm here at a quarter after one. He goes, no, the, the, the service started not at, not at 1.30, but at 1. And he's like, he goes, they're in there. Everyone's kind of waiting for you. He's like, oh. So he was 15 minutes late. And so he walks, as he walks in, the, the funeral director goes, by the way, you're doing a graveside service after this. And he's like, what's a graveside service? <laughs> And he goes, that's where you're going to also give a message and we're going to lay the body to rest. And he's like, he's like, okay. And he's like walking up to the pulpit with the, 
the whole you know, place is packed, and he's like, I'll just cut my message in half. I'm going to preach up to the halfway point, and then I'll say, we're going to go outside for the rest. That was his thinking, and that was good. And then here's the clincher. As he's walking up to the pulpit, he realized he never even asks the name of the deceased. He didn't know their gender or anything. And as he's walking up there, he realized he forgot to ask the guy that, and he preached the entire sermon not knowing their name, not knowing if they're a man or a woman or anything about it. And I'm like... Eric, are you serious? And I'm like, now here's a guy who was willing, but I would say maybe not prepared, okay? (laughs) Be prepared in season and out of season, okay? Uh, There was one time, actually, our son James, pastor here, I wasn't planning on saying this. He did a funeral, and then he texts me. He calls me, no, calls me in desperation. Dad, I'm to do a graveside service afterwards. What's a graveside service? And I'm like, don't worry, son, I'm going to text you a graveside service that I preached just a couple weeks ago. I text him the service, and literally as he's walking up, he's, he's preaching my message on his iPhone. <laughs> Technology is amazing, you know. These are the things we go through as preachers. You have no idea behind the scenes, you know. Be prepared is the first thing that Paul is saying to Timothy, okay? Second thing he says is correct, and this is what you do. Uh, in preaching. You see that? He says there, preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season. He says, correct. Now, correct, that's a positive word, actually. And it means to point out the way to go, to correct the correct way to follow, the correct way to proceed. And you'll remember Priscilla and Aquila. They were also disciples of the Apostle Paul. And there was this guy named Apollos. And Apollos was an amazing preacher. But you see in Acts chapter 18, verse 26, I gave you the, the, uh, the, the, the verse When Priscilla and Aquila heard him, that is Apollos, they invited them to their home and explained the way of God more adequately. They're like, Apollos, that's great, but, you know, this is the correct way on that doctrine. That's part of what we do in good preaching. You point out the correct way, the correct truth. Also is rebuking. You see there, Paul says, preach the word, be prepared in season, out of season, correct, and then rebuke. That's a negative word. It means to point out where someone is wrong. And that would be like the prophet Nathan. Remember, he came to David in 2 Samuel 12, verse 7. Then Nathan said to David, you are the man. And he pointed to David. David, you are the guy who's committed adultery. You killed Uriah the Hittite. And and there's times in preaching, you've got to correct people because they're off course. You've got to even rebuke at times because they're way out of line. And also, though, you encourage in your preaching. You see that where Paul says that. Rebuke and encourage. That's a positive word. It means to comfort and exhort someone to have courage. When we think about Barnabas in the book of Acts, Barnabas' name means what? Son of what? Encouragement. And everywhere you read about Barnabas, he went around and he preached from church to church, place to place, Always bring an encouragement. Even there in Acts chapter 11, verse 23, when he arrived, he was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. See, a good preacher is prepared to go and preach in season and out of season, and when they go, they rebuke and correct and encourage. Good preaching, watch this, is a blend of the positive and the negative. Good preaching comforts the afflicted and afflicts the comfortable. 
See, I know I'm experiencing good preaching. Well, watch this. I'm comforted, but I'm also convicted. If you go and you hear preaching and you do not experience both, in my opinion, that is not preaching. Preaching should comfort you, but it also should convict you and move you and it should pierce you because that is what the Word of God does. The Word is positive, but then it points out the areas of our weakness. And if the preacher is not encouraging you, that's not good preaching. But if the preacher, through the Word of God, is also not convicting you, that's not the Word of God being preached because the Word does both. And the preacher is called to do all of this, be prepared, correct, rebuke, and encourage with two qualities that are talked about there in verse 2 where he says, preach in season and out of season, correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. Great patience is long-suffering. It's a willingness to persist and stay at the task. It is a challenge to preach. Charles Spurgeon said, he who thinks it'd be easy to preach, let him or her get behind the pulpit. You get up here and you look at all these people bug-eyeing you, and it doesn't bother me anymore, but when I was a young guy, it used to kind of freak me out. But, uh, you know, it, it, it takes long, it's, it's a commitment, it's patience to learning your craft, okay? And careful instruction is the Greek word didache, and it literally, that's the Greek word for teaching. It's the act of being careful and precise in your interpretation and in your, in your explanation and in your application. I work hard with these discussion questions I'm giving you. These discussion questions, I'm thinking about guests, I'm thinking about mature believers, I'm thinking about new believers. I'm thinking someone will be freaked out to talk about that. There's times I push you on your discussion questions. There's times they're really fun. A good preacher thinks about the nuances and words and, and carefully trying to instruct and lead people to an end that the Word of God is teaching. I'd like you to talk about this. Which of these four helps that we just talked about do you need to incorporate more into your arena of proclamation, whether it's one-on-one -on -one or in a setting of God's Word? I'd like you to talk about that. Go for it. <clears throat> okay, we're talking about five things Paul's given us to grow as a good preacher. We are to remember who is present. God is present when His Word is delivered. Remember the goal. Bring the Word of God through your personality. Remember some helps. We looked at four of them. The fourth thing is this. Remember the times in which you are preaching. Verse 3, Paul says this. He says, For the time will come, Timothy, when men will not put up with sound doctrine. You think we're in that day and age? We are big time. And you have to know that as a communicator. Now, the time Paul is talking about here is the Greek word kairos, not chronos. Chronos is is uh, chronological time, you know, like TikTok on your watch, moving forward. Uh, kairos is epochal time. It's a season of time, a period of time. And Jesus warned that this period of time would come upon humanity. In Matthew chapter 24, Jesus talked about the signs nearing the end of the age when he said many false prophets will appear and deceive many people, Matthew 24, 11. Paul talked about this in other places. I mean, he's talking about it here in 2 Timothy, but even in 1 Timothy 4, 1-2, he said, the Spirit clearly says that in the latter times, there we have it, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Such teachings come through hypocritical liars 
whose consciences have been seared as with a hot iron. I've been in ministry 30 years, and over these 30 years, I can't tell you how many people come and go and false teaching and are being away by false philosophies and just leaving the church. This is what Jesus said is going to come. Timothy, you just got to be aware of it. And guess what? You, you can't control that. You've got to realize as a communicator of God's word, this is the era that we are in. And Paul says there in verse 3, he says, For the time will come when men will not put up with sound doctrine. And our world, it's full of people. And people even come into churches who don't, who don't want to put up with sound doctrine. They won't put up with the Bible. They won't put up with the Bible being taught verse by verse and explained. They want to just be entertained. They just want to laugh and have fun and and have their ears tickled, you see? This is the day and age we're living in. And many, even in churches, they don't consider the Bible the inspired, inerrant Word of God. So many preachers don't even consider the Bible inspired and inerrant. Oh, it's just a bunch of men wrote it, you know? Guys wrote it, they compiled into a book. It's got all sorts of lies in it. And I'm like, whenever someone says that to me, I go, oh, yeah, you believe that? Okay, can you just show me one lie, one contradiction? I, I hand them my Bible. I go, please, just because I've studied it my whole life. I have a bachelor's, a master's, and a doctorate. I've yet to find one contradiction. Are there mysteries in the Bible? Yes. Is there any lies or contradictions? No, zero. Point out one, please, please, please. If you can't, would you please not spread somehow the rumor that this is not the inerrant, inspired word of God that's absolutely flawless? It just, it, it's, it's a rumor out there. There's no foundation on it. It drives me nuts. And yet our churches, unfortunately, are filled with preachers who do not believe that this word is pure and inspired and faultless. And wow, what's going on? I'm not saying all preachers. I'm just saying a lot, even in our United States. And this is what Paul's saying. This is going to come on. He's saying, this is what's happening, but don't let it knock you off course, Timothy. He says, uh, instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. It's amazing. People, they'll just flock to certain teachers by the hordes that suit their own desires. And the word desires there, it's evil desires. They'll go to teachers that will preach a message that will accommodate their sinful behavior. They'll go to preachers that will encourage them and make them feel good. The last thing they want to do is feel convicted about their sin. Like we said, the word of God encourages, but it also convicts. So if you're ever in church, you hear a preacher, and what they're preaching does not encourage you and convict, get up and leave. In my opinion, you should leave. That's not the Word of God. The Word of God does both, beloved. And so we, we have people, they're going to teachers, itching ears, it, it tickle their eardrums without penetrating even further to the soul. And so many people today, they just want to be entertained. Want to hear great stories and fun and laughter and, and just, it's all surfacy. I think it just makes the Lord, He didn't die for surfacy, He went to the cross. He rose from the grave so we could have eternal life in his word, the pure word of God, poured into our hearts so we could live for his glory. And you look at verse 4. They will turn their ears away from the truth and they'll turn aside to myths. And we have people embracing myths all over, philosophies, and and just being completely off tangent. Hmm. 
We have to watch ourselves. Because we can, can, be, be, can become susceptible to the age in which we are in. We do. Even as Three Crosses Church, we have to watch ourselves. And preachers can be tempted to preach a message that's watered down, that just kind of, uh, you know, is trying to please people. And I always say, Lord, help me to please you in my preaching and not be swayed to please man. And it's so tempting. You need to understand. You need to pray for us as preachers that we will preach the unadulterated word of God in its truth. And the application here really to us as preachers is regardless of the time, keep preaching the word of God. Keep using this book, explaining these words to your people. That's what's so critical. Preach the word, be prepared in season and out of season. Let me give you a fifth uh, thing to remember to grow as a good preacher, and it's this. Remember your priorities when preaching. And Paul points out four priorities of a good preacher that they seek to keep, and he points these out in verse 5. Let's read verse 5 first, and then we'll explain them. He says, but you, keep your head in all situations. Talk about that in a second. Endure hardship, do the work of an evangelist, and then he says, discharge all the duties of your ministry. Four things that are talked about here. Let's take them one at a time. First of all, Paul says, keep your head in all situations. Literally, that means as a preacher, as a communicator of God's word, you, you, you're sober in your mind. It's clear-headed. Now, this is a little bit crass, but I grew up on a ranch. Dad's over here, mom's over here. And when we grew up on a ranch, you know, uh, we would eat the chickens. And in order to eat the chickens, you'd put them on a block and you would cut their head off. And then they would fly around like a chicken with its head cut off because it was, okay? And they're, you know, just going nuts. And they have no brain because it's been severed. And uh, this is what Paul is saying. Don't, Timothy, be like a chicken with its head cut off as someone who gives the word of God. What's he saying? It's this. Don't become disoriented by politics as a pastor. And I'm sorry, but we've got so many preachers that are absolutely disoriented. They're not preaching the word of God. They're preaching politics. They're letting the culture so influence them. They're not giving the word of God. And it's like their head. Are you serious? You're not called to preach politics. Preach the word of God. And if it addresses politics, great. Don't get dissuaded by, lose your head by all the falling norms of morality in our culture. Look how culture is changing. Who cares? The word of God doesn't change, amen? amen. Preach the word of God is what Paul is saying to Timothy. Keep your head in all situations. So yeah, the economy is going down the toilet. Guess what? Read the book of Revelation. It totally crashes. The stock market totally crashes, and one day it will. And as a pastor, you should know the Word of God and know where it's all going. The great tribulation is coming. The Antichrist will arise. This world is going to be destroyed by fire, the Bible says. And as a pastor, you should know that. And so culture, I'm not saying it shouldn't affect you. It should. But in the midst of all the changing things... When you get in that pulpit, preach the Bible to God's people. It's the Word of God. Keep your head. read this book uh, called Last Man Off. Fascinating book. It's a true story of disaster and survival on the Antarctic seas. True story. Written by a guy named Matt Lewis. He was 23 years old when uh, he had this experience. He's an oceanographer. 
and he like graduates and he's like, you know, I've never been out on the ocean and I'm going to give my life as a scientist. And he's like, so in 1998, June 6th, 23-year-old guy, he, he goes out on this 150, you know, foot uh, ship with a captain and officers and everything and he's just there to observe. And what takes place is absolutely fascinating. And you learn all about the high seas and what they're doing out there. But what happens is the, water, the, the ship begins to take on water. And he notices what's going on in the, this guy, Matt, in the, in the pump uh, area. And, and he reports it to the captain. And it, it's a long story, but the captain ends up losing his mind. The officers become frozen by the fact that the ship is going down and they know it and they become immovable. They lose their mind. They just resign the fact that they're all going to die. And this kid, 23-year-old Matt, has to stand up and become the captain. And he saves the crew. Uh, some died, but for the most part, I mean, if it wasn't for this guy, that ship would have gone down. And I read that and I said, Lord, this is the call not just of me, a pastor, and Larry, and our pastors, our senior pastors, and all our pastors, to be the word of God in the midst of a culture that's sinking and not lose our minds, but it's your call as well, because you're called to preach in that office where you are, are working, in that neighborhood where you live. You're called to be the voice of God that is steady and giving out the word of God in the midst of your family that's going through all sorts of, you know, sinking seas and that sort of thing. You, Dad, you're to be that voice. Do not lose your head. Keep it in all situations. That is the exhortation to a preacher. And you are a preacher. Paul then says, endure hardship. Timothy, you're going to have people leave your church. You're going to have kids want to leave your family because you're taking a stand on the Word of God. This is going to happen. This is what Jesus prophesied would happen. A mother will leave their father. A kid will leave because of the Gospel, because of the Word of God. It's not going to be always easy. You're going to have friends disown you. You're going to have men who are going to leave you because you won't sleep with them because of the Word of God. So, take a stand on the Word of God. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. In the midst of your preaching, call people to Christ. In the midst of your proclamation, call sinners to the cross. In other words, share the gospel when you're with people. Share the word of God in the gospel. And then he says, discharge all the duties of your ministry. In the midst of your preaching, you have other duties to do as well. Stay balanced in all you do, or in all that God has called you to do. For me, Preaching is one of my several duties. It's an important duty, but it's not the only duty. Sometimes I get joked, you know. Oh, you only work one day a week, you know. I get that all the time. I'm like, yeah, follow me around, buddy. This is just one of my many duties. And as you know, you pray for me. Tuesdays, I prepare my sermons all day. I get up early, and I'm in prayer, and I lock myself in, and I'm just with Jesus, and I hear his word, and I say, oh, God, I'm on my knees. Give me your word based on this text. I need to hear from you. I study like crazy to prepare a message because I want to deliver it to you pure through my personality, and we appreciate your prayer. It's hours that we spend preparing but we're to discharge all the duties of our ministry as pastors. But for you, you have several duties, but watch this. Preaching is one of them. And maybe for you, you're like, wow, Paul is exhorting me that this is one of my duties, and you know, I need to grow in this area. 
Yeah, you do other things. You work full time. I get it. But guess what? As you work, as you go through life, you're also called to at times bring out the Bible and preach to a coworker. I mean, not like declare, but use your personality to share the word of God, knowing God is present and all these things. So five things we need to remember to grow as a good preacher. Remember who is present, God. Remember the goal of preaching, the word through your personality. Remember the helps for preaching, we gave you four. Remember the times in which you're preaching, people are going to fall away, reject you. Remember your priorities when preaching, we just gave you four here. All right, I want you to talk and then I want to share a story at the end. Of everything you've heard today, which is the most important point that you need to take with you to better proclaim God's word? Talk about that. Okay, let me wrap this up by asking you a question. How many of you have been watching the Olympics? Wow, it's incredible. The United States leading the Olympic, you know, gold count and total, uh, um, uh, total medals overall. It's amazing. One of the things I notice with every one of these athletes, and they're always in the background, they all have a coach. They all do. And they're usually in the background cheering them on. You have a coach as well. And for this series, it's been the Apostle Paul. And, you know, you can't have success at that level as these Olympians do without a coach and without taking their advice and their cues. And this morning is, is maybe a, a, a lesson that Paul's passing on you've never even thought about. And it's this, preach the word, declare the world. You know, in your own way, share the word of God. I want to share with you a story that I think will really bring this home to you. And in in case it hasn't connected and you're feeling like, Mark, this is amazing what you've shared, but I feel like this is all related to you. Because I see you up there, you're a preacher and I'm not. And so I give you this message, this story, because this will bring it to you. And it brings it to all of us. Anthony Campolo writes this. He says, one of the most touching stories I know was told to me by a pastor friend from Atlanta, Georgia. He relates how one Wednesday evening at a prayer meeting at his church, a man gave testimony as to how he became a Christian while in Sydney, Australia. The man said, I was at the street corner in King's Cross when I felt a tug on my sleeve. I turned and found myself face to face with a street bum. Before I could say anything, the man simply asked me, me, Mr., if you were to die tonight, where would you spend eternity? That question troubled me over the next three weeks. The man continued, I had to find an answer, and I ended up giving my life to Christ. My minister friend went on to tell me that three years later, another man came to him on a Wednesday night prayer meeting and gave almost the identical testimony. He, too, had been at King's Cross in Sydney when a derelict had pulled him on the sleeve and asked him if he were to die tonight, where would he spend eternity? This second man, too, explained that the question so haunted him that he eventually sought and found an answer in Jesus. It wasn't too long after that when my pastor friend himself had to be in Sydney for a church conference. On one of the nights off, he decided to go to King's Cross and see if he could find the man who had been mentioned in his prayer meeting by two different people. He was standing on a corner in King's Cross when he felt someone tug him on his jacket. He turned, and before the poor old man could ask him anything, he said, I know what you're going to ask me. You're going to ask me if I were to die tonight, where would I spend eternity? 
The man was stunned. How did you know that? He inquired. My pastor friend told him the whole story. As he finished, the man started to cry. Mister, he said, 10 years ago, I gave my life to Jesus, and I wanted to do something for him. But a man like me can't do much of anything. So I decided I would just hang out on this corner and ask people that simple question. I've been doing that for years, mister, but tonight was the first time I ever knew it did anybody any good. That's called preaching the word using your personality. This is what you are called to do. It's what I am called to do. Look at your game changer challenge at the end of your outlines. What might God do if you begin proclaiming his word, yes, using Paul's advice, but especially your personality? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you that you've given us your precious word to proclaim. And we're to do this day after day, your word says. So thank you for the encouraging guidelines that Paul's given to us. Help us to proclaim your amazing word using our personality, especially, Lord, knowing that you are present, confident that you will touch lives as your word is declared, as we just share it the best we're able with people. Grant us your grace, your power to be the proclaimers you want us to be day by day, we ask. And all God's people said...